Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers Podcasts Signs of Poltergeist Activity Disappearing Objects You put your set of keys or your cell phone down in the place you always put it. Turn around a minute later, it's gone. You and your family search high and low for it, but it cannot be found. Later, sometimes days later or longer, the object mysteriously reappears in the very place you always put it. And more bizarrely, you later find it in a ridiculous place, like high on a bookshelf or in a shoebox, in a closet, or, other, or some other place where you never put it in a million years. This is also known as the disappearing object phenomenon. Objects levitating or thrown. You're sitting on the, there watching TV, totally engrossed in a dramatic movie, when suddenly a bowl of popcorn you've been munching from arises from the coffee table, floats in the air and a few feet, and drops to the floor. Or you're having a loud argument with your teenage daughter, and she storms at her room. Books and knickknacks come hurling off the salt. Buscades reacting to the daughter's anger, young girl's anger. A movement of physical objects, this can be quite dramatic it can be, and can be slight as a box of tic tacs sliding a few inches across the tabletop, or as amazing as a heavy refrigerator levitating off the kitchen floor. Sense and odor, odors. No one in your house smokes, yet on occasion the sink smell of cigarette. A cigar smoke can be detected in the bathroom or you're dressing for bed. Sunny, overpowering smell, scent of lilacs fill the room. As stated above, all kinds of smells can enter your house from outside, even from a passing car. So such scents might not necessarily mean a poltergeist. Such scents and odours can be also be a sign of ghostly activity, as they might be associated with a spirit or residential haunting. Electrical Electrical interference. Johnny is having a tough time in school. Sometimes he enters the living room without scowling his face. The overhead light and lamps flicker. Oh, it's three o'clock in the morning, and he's shot out of sleep by the stereo in the din, turning on the raw blast. It doesn't have it doesn't have a remote control, and it can set it off accidentally, whether from the inside or the outside. Power from nowhere. The antique clock on the phantom fireplace mantel hasn't worked in years, but it's a family heirloom. I like now, but you like it how it looks like there, so you keep it. Quite suddenly it begins to chime, the second hand resumes moving, even though the clock hasn't been wound in ten years. Maybe it's 9.15pm, little kids are sound asleep in bed when suddenly Billy's little choo-choo train begins to chug across the living room floor. You think that's odd? You... You just switched it off and you put it back down. A few minutes later, the little train starts up again, thinking there's something wrong with the switch. You open the battery compartment and remove the batteries, but there are no batteries in it. Knocks, rappings, footsteps and other noises. You're in your office trying to balance the checkbook, but you find it hard to concentrate when your husband is in the other room banging on the wall for some reason. Go to investigate, but you remember your husband is out bowling. He isn't even home. No one near, No one is. So that's that. Who's that? Who? How? So where's that knocking coming from? Or is the family in the, in the kitchen table deep heated game monotony? Suddenly all the chatter stops when everyone's attention is drawn to a sound of footsteps coming up the basement stairs. Dad checks us out. Of course, there's no one there. Physical attacks. 
Twenty-year-old Elisa can't stand how her parents are always fighting, constant yelling and screaming and driving her crazy. She sits on the floor in the corner of her room, crying with her face in her hands. She winces from a sudden pain in the back. Then she, she checks in the, in the mirror. She finds some fresh scratches or a protocol from her spraying bangs. The flying coffee pots have been escalating all in the Fermin household. A young Becky seems to be the centre of it all. It's got to be one of the worst of visit, visiting Uncle Donald. We see charged laps across the face, seemingly from an unseen hand. You've been listening to the Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers podcast. Signs of Podcast Geist Activity. Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers podcast. The haunts of Omar Isisio, Baker College. A legend says a young woman hung herself on school grounds. Her spirit is responsible for holdings within the walls. Carlwood Castle, a structure. It's said that the castle contains three different ghosts that have been seen inside, at windows, outside, around the castle and at the footbridge. Derek's bar, the bathroom doors open and slam shut on their way on their own, mainly the one of the ladies' bathrooms, which it carries at an odd cold spot, clanks, fuds, footsprints, more bizarre sounds emanate from the cellar own furniture. Many chairs and tables more around seemingly on their own late at night. Oakwood Ever Avenue Bridge. Many Oswaldians have never heard of this tale. The spirits of a teenage couple are said to haunt the bridge to this day. Both were in their 18 years old when they jumped off the bridge and committed suicide in 1900. Now that the bridge doesn't seem high enough for someone to die from jumping off it, which is the main reason why many folks find it still unbelievable. Ro- Ro- Rose Via Woods. During the summer and fall, most folks say ghosts make their appearance known within these woods. Moaning, disobedient birdies, footsteps of no visible source. Not that many of them seem somewhat plausible. One of the many help spots is in the southwest corner of Washington and Main Streets. On the corner once stood an Element Hotel built in 1844. It was renamed the National House Motel in 1900, torn down in 1929. New, safer Oswald Hotel constructed in its place. Later, owners called the Presidential Arms and the Oswald Inn. Close, finally closed down for good in 1999. Demolished in 2005. Where the buildings buildings still stood, there were local legends about ghosts within the buildings. Anyone who has tales about these places is welcome to mention them. You've been listening to Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers Podcast, and I have been talking about Haunted Mexican, the ghosts of Old Wall Sissio. Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers Podcast. W.B. Yeats, living spirit medium. In the Victorian era, a different kind of ghostwriting became popular largely because it allowed men to take credit all the credit. Deep in the birches of the oaks of Ashdown Forest, William Butler Yeats and his new bride, Georgie Hyde Lee, were having a miserable first few days of marriage. A.A. Mill would later turn the same Sussex 
forest into the colourful hundred yard outward, but the mood on the eighth honeymoon in nineteen seventeen was gloomy as a funeral with Eeyore. The newly married Yates, famous for lines like things will fall apart, the centre cannot hold, and I will rise and go now, and go to Insee Free. Also newly rejected Yates, Georgie was his, was a third in a series of quick fire marriage proposals, again with his long life obsession, Maud Jorgoni. Maud rejected it. It followed up with a boomerang. Proposal to all people. A daughter is Isolette rejected like a rock and roll. Yates bounced back. You certainly need a model. Yates' friend, Lady Gregory, pride when he wrote about he planned to see his friend Georgie. Twenty-seven years his old, younger, would make the third time the charm. Playing on their mutual interest in the spiritism and the cult, George tried a novel approach to saving the marriage. Mere days into their honeymoon at the Ashdown Forest Hotel, Georgie, renamed George by her husband, must have been a go- had a ghostly suspicion, or something simply seen poorly hidden fact. Yates was still writing wistful letters to Islet. Another other Nunezred might have told Yates to take a long walk with the lake of Isafree. Instead, playing on their mutual interest in spiritualism and gold, George tried a novel approach by saving, saving their marriage. On the f- October of ni- 24th, 1970, four days after marriage, wrote Yates, my wife surprised me with attempting automatic writing, which came in disjointed sentences, almost allegedly writing. Was so exciting, sometimes so profound. I was hated to give an to give an hour or two after the day to unknown writer. Automatic writing were, according to believers, a spirit guide guides a pencil living medium as he or she writes that spirit's spirit's message, but unheard at the time. Writing with Victorianism and resurging after generation perishing World War One. Spiritist experiments to communicate with the dead via turning. Tarot, seances, and occult have fascinated Western society. George's new husband was out one of those that fascinated. Throwing away his correspondence from his former claims, Yates became obsessed with his new wife. He had a living medium. A clairvoyant couple were exhaustible. In the first three weeks together, they averaged three automatic sessions a week, creating 4,000 pages of material dictated by spirits of George to her husband. Convenient the spirits got to work exacting Yates from his obsession for mould is that the vice didn't end there. They suggested that he switched to die for your diet, hinted that George was overly into couple with what could have a baby, and offered helpful suggestions on how Yates could make sex more pleasurable for George. Most importantly, the spirits provided Yates with raw material for his poems. All of it was from George's pencil. It took decades for Yates' scholarship to state the obvious, or having to take an extremely fact into far more serious consideration than we had before, wrote Mary, Margaret Mills Harper, 1998. Much of literary output, one of our century's major poets from the year of his marriage, and directly influenced by a unique imaginative partnership, hardly creative woman, 
Joel's supernatural writings were eventually published in a book called A Vision Yates. Name was only one on the title page. In at least seven editions of A Vision, George has been credited as co-writer. Over. Yates did offer to dedicate a later edition to her. My wife, the proposed dedicated Red, who created the system which he bores her, who could possibly these pages she would never read. George adapted it. George wasn't the only spiritual collaborator that we cheated. Proper co-author credit for writing. It, 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 now five years since, the great gift of inspired writing first came to my wife, wrote George. To Arthur Alan Coyle, the introduction to a collection of his wife's automatic writing, Pinini speaks. The sentiment expressed by no means represent those of the medium or myself. Lady Doyle, or at least, got a dedication acknowledgement. George Wentford Linfield, medium for the beginning, the way of life was not so lucky. Linfield, thanks St. Michael and St. John, dedicating text, but not mention the medium who took dictation from the departed. There's terrible lack of credit in surprising, even in the heyday of spiritualism, many mediums of women. A high percentage was, were, was predicted on Victorian reasoning, and passively of women made the perfect empty vessel, though their spirits could transmit their messages, argues the Victorian literary scholar and Enola Gomez in a 1920. In a, 2007 article for Victorian literature and culture as the spiritualist movement began less socially taboo, attracting women who were educated, well-read, short of opportunities to flex their creative divinity and locked out of a legitimate creative space like publishing, in other words, aspiring authors. Under the halo of science spotlight, women wrote pages of automatic writing, filled with rich narrative, character and dialogue. A publishing industry sprung up in response to the public's appetite for gross writing, ranging from the memoirs of pirates to mystery murders, murder mysteries. Often, it was the wealth of clients of male family members listening to the science who published the materials. Routinely, the medium's authorship was not credited. That's until one medium turned the tables on the, day, on the table turning and took the issue to court. Doing so, she changed the copyright role forever. In July of 1926, a year after the first printing of Vision reached 600, private psychiatrist, the spirit media Janine Cummins, held Frederick Bly Board in the Chancery Division of the High Court of Justice. Several spirit sessions attended by Bond. Cummins used a pencil to ultimately scroll out at 2,000 words an hour, a text of Chronicle of Cleos. It was appreciated the book would be lucrative. Bond attempted to publish his book, arguing that it was a recipient of messages. Also, Cummins would not have produced the work if he was not had to cooperate with placing his hand on the back of his hers during the writing. Cummins slammed his paranormal argument with a legal one. Who owned the popular copyright of the story? The medium, the right spirit, or listener who paid for a session? The judge, Judge Eve, deemed it very much that was posthumous in the posthumous property case. He pointed out that his jurisdiction was limited to England, so he couldn't rule on a spiritual plane. A commentator in the Victorian law review hopefully suggested that spirit, Cleos, 
could be brought to be cross-examined via automatic reading. The ruling that would bizarrely affect the course of intellectual property law forever after Gerald Cummins wrote the copyright. Won the copyright, sorry. Cummings versus Bonds determined that an author is the one that converts the message of the supernatural to readable language. It set the president that the author is an individual to whom these actions and work will not exist. As a legal scholarship, Semyonishka production noted in 2017 in the Colombian Law Review. While perhaps intended facetiously, then its prevalence the current age of AI that the world case has ruled the author must be human. While General Gerald Cummings was, slap, was slapping away, Bond's unhelpful hand with an automatic writing pen, pencil, women were finding agency in hacking other forms of spiritualship, get across to the publishing queue, where women added new literature to the canon under the name of the deceased male celebrity. The literary scholar Helen Sword described how Hester Dallon punished a new book dedicated to Oscar Wilde, who died 24 years before. The book led to a fight in, uh, the, in the occult review between uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, Lord Doyle, Lady Doyle's co-author on Pelleas' Speaks, who claimed the author was clearly Wilde, and C.W. Schools claimed the author of Texas Medium herself, even though you may not have been aware of the forgery. Meanwhile, Laura V. Hayes created, crafted a novel of a new Mark Twain. James Happard had a new a no, a novel written by from a Ouija board. It won national attention, as well as a lawsuit from Samuel J. Clement's daughter, Theodore Brescott, took up the mantle for the deceased Henry Trains. The writer Lee Wilson wrote in clinical survey when Margarita Emily's first book earned her prison sentence an absolute for erotic gender-bending storytelling. She explained that a real author was Richard, a late Spanish novel. And the literary scholar Miguel Miguel writes in the Modern Language Review, these women privated the brand names of dead celebrities using the fight agency. It's not an awful credit and slip into publishing through a slight door. This heyday of spiritism, ghostwriting, took place not coincidentally. Just in the modern era of authorship, copyright was bought, being codified. Some mediums like Hester Darwin use their foretold agnomity to their, to their advantage. Others, like Lady Doyle, were caught up in the pre-coming power of dynamic. All these women comprise a secret congregation of overlooked writers whose names were buried as the bodies of those they ghost wrote for. George Yates lived her husband for by three decades. His rejected dedication and vision had thanked her for working on a project she was too bored to read. Despite her apparent boredom, after his death, George took up vision and edited it for immediate publication. Yet Yates had long been in his temporarily wasted place. The process began not to put a fine upon it, corrupting the text, says Yates, diehard Richard Freeman. Rather than move on from the writing, she poured so many hours into since her first week at Ashdown Forest. George continued to fine-tune and tweak 
work collected years of its later in the editions of Yeats' poems, like Heston Down and Lady Dale. Doyle, George was probably one of the most funny spirit meters of the time. One might therefore assume she had gotten in touch with the Yeats to collaborate over these revisions, but oddly enough, it doesn't seem she ever asked for his input. You've been listening to the Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers podcast. W.B. Yeats, Living Spirit Medium. Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers podcast. The haunts of Omar Isisio, Baker College. A legend says a young woman hung herself on school grounds. Her spirit is responsible for holdings within the walls. Cult. Wood Castle, a structure. It's said that the castle contains three different ghosts that have been seen inside, at windows outside, around the castle, and at the footbridge. Derek's bar, the bathroom doors open and slam shut on their way on their own, mainly the one of the deeded bathrooms, which it carries at an odd cold spot, clanks, fuds. Footprints, more bizarre sounds emanate from the cellar home furniture, many chairs and tables, more around seemingly on their own late at night. Oakwood Ever Avenue Bridge, many Oswaldians have never heard of this tale. The spirits of a teenage couple are said to haunt the bridge to this day. Both were in the 18 years old when he jumped off the bridge and committed suicide in 1900. Now that the bridge doesn't seem high enough for someone to die from jumping off it, which is the main reason why many folks find this tale unbelievable. Ro- Ro- Rose Via Woods During the summer and fall, most folks see ghosts make their appearance known within these woods, moaning, disobedient birdies, footsteps of no visible source. Not that many of them seem somewhat plausible. One of the managerly health spots is in the southwest corner of Washington and Main Streets. On the corner once stood an Element Hotel built in 1844. It was named the National Host Motel in 1900, torn down in 1929. A new, safer Oswald Mo Hotel constructed in its place. Later, owners called the Presidential Arms and the Oswald Inn. Close finally closed down for good in 1999 and demolished in 2005. While the, the buildings still stood, there were local legends about ghosts within the buildings. Anyone who has tales about these places are welcome to mention them. You've been listening to Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers Podcast, and I have been talking about Haunted Mexican, the ghosts of Old World Sicio. Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers Podcasts Signs of Poltergeist Activity Disappearing Objects You put your set of keys or your cell phone down in the place you always put it. Turn around a minute later and it's gone. You and your family search high and low for it but it cannot be found. Later, sometimes Days later or longer, the object mysteriously reappears in the very place you always put it. And more bizarrely, you later find it in a ridiculous place, like high on a bookshelf or in a shoebox, in a closet, or, other, or some other place where you never put it in a million years. 
This is also known as the disappearing object phenomenon. Objects levitate, levitating or thrown. You're sitting on the, there watching TV, totally engrossed in a dramatic movie, when suddenly a bowl of popcorn you've been munching from arises from the coffee table, floats in the air a few feet and drops to the floor. Or you're having a loud argument with your teenage daughter and she storms out of the room. Books and knickknacks come hurling off the bookcase, reacting to the daughter's anger, young girl's anger. A movement of physical objects, this can be quite dramatic can be, and can be slight as a box of Tic Tacs sliding a few inches across the tabletop, or as amazing as a heavy refrigerator levitating off the kitchen floor. Sense and odor, odors. No one in your house smokes, yet on occasion the sink smell of cigarette or cigar smoke can be detected in the bathroom, or you're dressing for bed, sunny overpowering smell, scent of lilacs fill the room. As stated above, all kinds of smells can enter your house from outside, even from a passing car. So such sense might not necessarily mean a poltergeist. Such sense and odours can be also be a sign of ghostly activity, as they might be associated with a spirit or residential haunting. Electrical, electrical, electrical interference. Johnny is having a tough time in school. Sometimes he enters the living room without scowling his face, the overhead light and lamps flicker. Oh, it's three o'clock in the morning, and he's shot out of sleep by the stereo in the din. Turning on the raw blast, it doesn't have it doesn't have a remote control, and it can set it off accidentally, whether from the inside or the outside. Power from nowhere. The antique clock on the phantom fireplace mantle hasn't worked in years, but it's a family heirloom. I like now. You like it how it looks like there, so you keep it. Quite suddenly, it begins to chime. The second hand resumes moving, even though the clock hasn't been wound in ten years. Maybe it's 9.15pm, little kids are sound asleep, and bed when suddenly Billy's little choo-choo train begins to chug across the living room floor. You think that's odd? You you just switched it off and you put it back down. A few minutes later, the little train starts up again, thinking there's something wrong with the switch. You open the battery compartment and remove the batteries, but there are no batteries in it. Knocks, rappings, footsteps, and other noises. You're in your office trying to balance the checkbook, but you find it hard to concentrate when your husband is in the other room banging on the wall for some reason. You go to investigate, but you remember your husband is out bowling. He isn't even home. No one near, No one is. So that's that. Who's that? Who? How? So where's that knocking coming from? Or is it the family in the, in the kitchen table deep? Heated game, monopoly. Suddenly all the chatter stops and everyone's attention is drawn to a sound of footsteps coming up the basement stairs. Dad checks us out. Of course there's no one there. Physical attacks. Twenty-year-old Elisa can't stand how her parents are always fighting. They're constantly yelling and screaming and driving her crazy. She sits on the floor in the corner of a room, crying with her face in her hands. She winces from a sudden pain in the back. Then she, she checks in the, in the mirror. She finds some fresh scratches or a photograph of T from unexplained bangs. The flying coffee pots have been escalating all in the Fermanagh household. A young Becky seems to be the centre of it all. It's got to be one of the worst of visit, visiting Uncle Donald. Receives charged laps across the face, seemingly from an unseen hand. You've been listening to the Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers podcast. Signs of Podcast Geist Activity.
Animals of Remark podcast show. Docu- paranormal documentaries I would like to recommend for you to watch. Ghost Adventures, created over a decade ago. Ghost Adventures is one of the most famous paranormal shows on television. Following lead investigator Zach Beggins and his team, Nick Gorroff and Adrian Godwin, search haunted houses all over the globe, with each episode covering a new location. Haunted Collector While some people collect magnets or shot glasses, some individuals like John Zephyrs collect haunted possessions. The show Haunted Collector is a tale of many show-style documentaries of how Zephyr's family came to display and own their prized collection of spooky goods. Each episode breaks down how John and his family collect each object and what it spends. Killer Legends Beyond the teachings of Bigfoot, a long-necked monster, many urban legends haunt the world we live in. The documentary Killer Legends follows investigators Joshua Z. Men. Rachel Mills as they view crimes that led to uncertainty of certain urban legends. A haunting ending in 2017 and running for almost 12 years on air, haunting is a spooky television documentary show in his victims of encounters from paranormal activities. An entertainment value is added with the show as retelling the victims' stories are paired with narrations and reenactments. Out of the Blue, aired in 2003, Out of the Blue is the documentary film that speaks to a recently spot UFO craze, premiering it on the sci-fi channel. Many viewers tuned in to see true accounts from eyewitnesses, scientists and previous government officials. On spacecraft, an idea of extraterrestrial life, ghost hunters, following the founder of TAP, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, Jason Hughes and Grant Wilson, Ghost Hunters Answer, and responds to what those who report paranormal activity in their house. An interesting catch, both Grant and Jason are plumbers by day and ghost hunters by night. Most Haunted, a British television show, Most Haunted takes viewers into the site Paranormal Activity. The host of Yvette Fielding and a team of paranormal investigators lock themselves in the haunted location for 24 hours, explore the high places haunting, and search for evidence of paranormal activity. Cropsey, a documentary feature film, covers two investigations as, uh, as they undercover and really happened behind the disappearance of five children. What makes it even scary? The department talks about how real-life Bogomarin could be to blame. Paranormal Witness. Hardly discouraged for those who become scared easily or can be unnerved by ideas of spooky television. Paranormal Witness is unique. It tells accounts of paranormal activity for the use of personal material like home videos, witness photography, along with testimonial. The show covers a wide range of unexplained haunted houses, UFO experiences and ghosts. The Nightmare. If you thought you couldn't sleep before, imagine the rush you, through your mind after watching The Nightmare. This documentary film follows eight different people who experience sleep paralysis and might be a hand of paranormal resistance. Demon House. Created last year in 2018, Demon House is a horror-style documentary film from Zach Beggins, same as you from 
famous ghost adventures. The film follows the Almond's holding case, which happened back in 2014. The Almond's family lived in Indiana, which experienced mass hysteria and being possessed by demons. As Demon House moves into understanding story, the team realise they have embarked on a dangerous encounter. Celebrity ghost house stories. What is better than hearing ghost stories? Hearing celebrities' ghost stories. As celebrities share their personal encounters with ghosts, both fans of their work and fans of the paranormal, able to see how the new perspective of the lives of those actors, singers, and sports professionals. Quiet rage in the Stanford prison of Sparrant. Featuring dated and authentic footage, interviews, and testimonials by the cops and prisoners, Stanford Prison Experiment documentary breaks down what exactly happened during a study performed on those looking for insight and what life inside prison was psychologically like. Hostage to the Devil, a documentary following a possessed child, is premise of the Hostage to the Devil, available on Netflix. This film uncovers testimonies by creating reenactments, dramatic reconstructions of the tales told of exorcists. The Enfield Poltergeist. The Enfield Poltergeist is a name given by a paranormal spirit living in 284 Green Street in Brimsdown, England. Enfield, England. Serving as a council house before the between the years 1977 and 1979, famous Enfield ghost, Paranormal had an account of two sisters, aged 11 and 13. The Dead Falls, a true account of the show Medium. The Dead Fold combines a homicide detective and a medium on the ultimate crime fighting duel as a combined investigation powers. Then the cover of the truth where deadly crimes were committed. Paranormal Lockdown. Instead of being locked down with a paranormal for 24 hours, imagine three times that. Paranormal Lockdown. Host Nick Goff and Katrina Weldman spend 72 straight hours living with some of America's most living among some of America's most haunted locations. My Anterville Horror. This documentary, The Anterville Horror, was inspired by a book which tells the tale of a crime that took place in November of 1974. Robert Defoe Jr. shot and murdered six members of his family at a home on Ocean Avenue in Long Island, New York. Look at the, what becomes uncovered as Dolph Loss tells the story of his family over 35 years ago. The Alien Boy, The Life and Death of James Jesse. Alien Boy is a documentary full that tells the story of James Jesse. Uncovering the truth about behind police accountability, film covers of murder James, a schizophrenic man who was murdered by police officers in Portland, Oregon in 2016. While not necessarily a paranormal film, as the name would lead us to believe, instead speaks of mental health as unknown frontier. Monster Quest This show covers scientifically the appearance of emergence of creatures all over the world. Some episodes include the most notable creatures like Loch Ness Monster, Werewolves, Bigfoot and, believe it or not, a breed of super soldiers said to be raised by Stalin himself. Mixing science, paranormal activity and history, viewers are able to get a little of everything each time they want. The Black Whale Ghost, available on Amazon Prime. The Black Whale Ghost follows a ghost hunting hunting film worker as he explores a haunted house. Having only one cast member, the ghost itself is a true star. 
this hour-long documentary, Destination Truth. Well, it's interesting when you mix global adventurers with paranormal investigators. Very interesting television series presented by Joseph Gates. Destination Truth takes us around the world as a group of explorers set out to uncover supernatural wonders and phenomena across the land and sea. The Institute, as a digital age, starts to pick up what's more freaking or paranormal than being sucked into an alternative reality universe. <coughs> Playing the game, the Institute covers this. The 2013 <coughs> documentary tells us how players in San Francisco's spin at 12 are playing an alternative reality game, Paranormal State. Covering the director of Penn State University Paranormal Research Society, Robin Bill, this series show covers paranormal mysteries. Some include demonic hauntings, six sensitive parents, and ghost encounters. The Sully House. In, two, in 1906, a house in Akerson, Kansas, became a paranormal staple. Was named as one of, or not, if not, most haunted house in America. The reason behind the house reputation has to go with the owner back in the early 1900s. Home to the town's doctor said a bit that a girl passed away, which explained with it being examined in the house and underwent tremendous pain. You've been listening to the Positive Mark Podcast Show. I've been talking about paranormal documentaries you may wish to watch. Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers Podcast W.B. Yeats Living Spirit Medium In the Victorian era, a different kind of ghostwriting became popular largely because it allowed men to take credit all the credit. Deep in the birches of the oaks of Ashdown Forest, William Butler Yeats and his new bride, Georgie Hyde Lee, were having a miserable first few days of marriage. A.A. Mill would later turn the same Sussex forest into the colourful hundred yard wood. But the mood on the eighth honeymoon in nineteen seventeen was gloomy as a funeral with Eeyore. The newly married Yates, famous for lines like Things will fall apart, the centre cannot hold, and I will rise and go now, and go to Insy Free. Also newly rejected Yates. Georgie was, his, was a third in a series of quick-fire marriage proposals. Again, with his long-life obsession, Maud Jorgoni. Maud rejected it. It followed up with a boomerang. Proposal to all people. A daughter, Isolette. Isolette rejected like a rock-a-mole. Yates bounced back. You certainly in a muddle, Yates' friend, Lady Gregory, pride when he wrote about he planned to see his friend Georgie, 27 years his old, younger, would make the third time the charm. Playing on their mutual interest in spiritualism and the cult, George tried a novel approach to saving the marriage. Mere days into their honeymoon at the Ashdown Forest Hotel, Georgie, renamed George by her husband, must have been a ghost had a ghostly suspicion or something simply seen poorly hidden fact. Yates was still writing witchful letters to Islet. Another other Nunadred might have told Yates to take a long walk with the lake of Isafree. Instead, playing on their mutual interest in spiritualism and gold, George tried a novel approach by saving, saving their marriage. The 
October of ni- 24th, 1917. Four days after marriage, wrote Yates, my wife surprised me with attempting automatic writing. It came in disjointed sentences, almost allegedly writing. It was so exciting, sometimes so profound. I was able to give an to give an hour or two after a day to unknown writer. Automatic writing were, according to believers, a spirit guide guides a pencil with living medium as he or she writes out spirit's spirit's message, but unheard at the time. Writing with Victorianism and resurging after generation perishing World War One. Spiritist experiments to communicate with the dead via turning tarot seances and occult and fascinated Western society. George's new husband was out one of those that fascinated. Throwing away his correspondence from his former claims, Yates became obsessed with his new wife. He had a living medium. A clairvoyant couple were exhaustible. In the first three weeks together, they averaged three automatic sessions a week creating 4,000 pages of material dictated by spirits of George to her husband. Convenient spirits got to work exacting Yates from his obsession for Maud that The advice didn't end there. They suggested that he switched to die of your diet, hinted that George was overly into couple what could have a baby, and offered helpful suggestions on how Yates could make sex more pleasurable for George. Most importantly, the spirits provided Yeats with raw material for his poems. All of it was from George's pencil. It took decades for Yeats' scholarship to state the obvious, or having to take an extraordinary fact into far more serious consideration than we had before, wrote Mary, Margaret Mills Harper, 1998. Much of literary output of one of our century's major poets from the year of his marriage to the directly influenced by a unique imaginative partnership, highly creative woman, George's supernatural writings were eventually published in a book called A Vision Yates. Name was only one on the title page. In at least seven editions of a vision, George has been credited as co-writer over. Yates did offer to dedicate a later edition to her. My wife, the proposed dedicated read, who created the system which he bores her, who could possibly these pages she would never read. George adapted it. George wasn't the only spiritual collaborator that we cheated proper co-author credit for writing. It, 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 now five years since, a great gift of inspired writing first came to my wife, wrote George. To Arthur Alan Coyle, the institution to collection of his wife's automatic writing, Panini speaks. The sentiment expressed by no means represent those of the medium or myself. Lady Doyle, or at least, got a dedication acknowledgement. George Whitford Linfield, medium for the beginning, the way of life was not so lucky. Linfield, thanks St. Michael and St. John, dedicating texts, but not mention the medium who took dictation from the departed. There's terrible lack of credit. It's surprising, even in the heyday of spiritualism, many mediums of women. A high percentage was, were, was predicted on Victorian reasoning, and passively of women made the perfect empty vessel, though their spirits could transmit their messages, argues the Victorian literary scholar Anna Gomez 
in a 1920 in a 2007 article by Vidurin Literature and Culture. As the spiritualist movement began less socially taboo, attracted women who were educated, well-read, short of opportunities as flex and creativity, and locked out of a legitimate creative space like publishing, in other words, aspiring authors. Under the halo of science spotlight, women wrote pages of automatic writing, filled with rich narrative, character and dialogue. A publishing industry sprung up in response to the public's appetite for growth writing, ranging from the memoirs of pirates to mystery murders, murder mysteries. Often, it was the wealthy clients of male family members listening to the science of published materials. Routinely, the medium's authorship was not credited. That's until one medium turned the tables on the day on the table turning and took the issue to court. Doing so, she changed the copyright all forever. In July of 1926, a year after the first printing of Vivian reached 600, private psychiatrist, the spirit media Janine Cummins, held Frederick Bly Board in the Chancery Division of the High Court of Justice. Several spirit sessions attended by Bond. Cummins used a pencil to ultimately scroll out. At 2,000 words an hour, a text of Chronicle of Cleos. It was appreciated the book would be lucrative. Bond attempted to publish his book, arguing that it was a recipient of messages. Also, Cummins would not have produced the work if he was not had to cooperate with placing his hand on the back of his hers during the writing. Cummins slammed his paranormal argument with a legal one. Who owned the popularly copyrighted story? The medium, the right spirit, or the listener who paid for the session? The judge, Judge Eve, deemed that very much that was posthumous in the posthumous property case. He pointed out that his jurisdiction was limited to England, so he couldn't rule on a spiritual plane. A commentator in the Victorian law review hopefully suggested that spirit, Pius, could be brought to be cross-examined via automatic reading. The ruling that would bizarre the effect of the course of intellectual property law forever after George Gerald Cummins wrote the copyright. Won the copyright, sorry. Cummins versus Bond determined that an author is the one that converts the message of the supernatural to readable language. It set the president that the author is an individual to whom these actions and work would not exist. The legal scholarship Seminiska Production noted in 2017 in the Colombian Law Review. While perhaps intended facetiously, then its prevalence the current age of AI that the world case has ruled the author must be human. While General Gerald Cummings was, slapped, was slapping away, Bond's unhelpful hand with an automatic writing pen, pencil. Women were finding agency in hacking other form of spiritualship, getting across to the publishing queue, where women added new literature to the canon under the name of the deceased male celebrity. The literary scholar Helen Sword describes how Hester Dallon punished a new book dedicated to Oscar Wilde, who died 24 years before. The book led to a fight in the in the occult review between uh, Arthur Cullen Doyle, Lord Cullen Doyle, Lady Doyle's co-author on Pelleas Speaks, who claimed the author was clearly wild, and the CW School claimed the author of Texas Media herself, even though she may not have been aware of the forgery. 
Meanwhile, Laura V. Hayes crafted a novel of a new Mark Twain. James Happard had a new a novel, a novel written by from Luigi Board. It won national attention, as well as a lawsuit from Samuel J. Clement's daughter, Theodore Brescott, took up the mantle for the deceased Henry Trains. The writer, Lee Wilson, write, wrote in clinical survey. When Margaret Emily's first book earned her prison sentence, an absolute for uh, erotic gender-bending storytelling, she explained that a real author was Richard, a late Spanish novel. The literary scholar Miguel Miguel writes in the Modern Language Review, These women privated the brand names of dead celebrities using the fight agency. It's not an author credit and slip into publishing through a slight door. This heyday of spiritism, ghostwriting, took place not coincidentally. Just in the modern era of authorship, authorship copyright was bought, been codified. Some mediums like Hester Darwin use a fertile agnomity to their, to their advantage. Others, like Lady Doyle, were caught up in the free Cummins power of dynamic. All these women comprise a secret congregation of overlooked writers whose right names were buried as the bodies of those they ghost wrote for. George Yates, they outlived her husband for by three decades. His rejected dedication and vision had thanked her for working on a project she was too bored to read. Despite her apparent boredom, after his death, George took up vision and edited it for immediate publication. Yet Yates had long been in his temporary wasting place. The process began not to put a fine upon it, corrupting the text says Yates, diehard Richard Freeman. Rather than move on from the writing, she poured so many hours into since her first week at Ashdown Forest. George continued to fine-tune and tweak work collected years after its later in the editions of Yates' poems. Like Heston Down and Lady Dow, Doyle, George was probably one of the most finely-tuned spirit mediums of the time. One might therefore assume she had gotten in touch with the CTH to collaborate over these revisions, but oddly enough, it doesn't seem she ever asked for his input. You've been listening to the Lincolnshire Spirit Seekers podcast, WB Yates Living Spirit Medium.